Nikki Davidson. God has them in his hands. And everything that I could dream for them, he's got a plan and a purpose for them, for his goodwill. And those dreams that I have for them pales in comparison to what God has for them. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, we have another great episode for you this week as you get to meet Raysa Chandler. Raysa is the mom to 20-year-old twins who both have autism, and she has a passion and a drive to ensure that families of children with disabilities know that they are not alone on this journey. I actually got to meet Raysa several years ago when she attended our By the Brick retreat for moms back when we were still meeting in person. And she's been able to attend one of the host sites in recent years since we've gone virtual and has absolutely loved it. Now, our 2023 By the Brick weekend will take place on June 23rd and 24th. And if you're interested in knowing more about how you or your church can serve as a host site for this year's event, just reach out to Carissa here at the Rising Above office and she can give you all of the details. And we'll be sure to add her contact information in the show notes so you can find out more. I was so encouraged to hear part of Race's story and I am sure you will feel the same. So here's my conversation with Raysa Chandler. Hey, Raysa, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. I am excited to get to hear more about your story and your journey with twins who both have autism. So thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. Well, it was funny. We were talking uh, before we hit record and I knew that you had been to By the Brook. I did not realize you had been to one of the ones here in person in Cookville but then you showed me your shirt that you're wearing. That's what the shirt, the t-shirt from that year. And you're like, yes, I was there. The that and that was probably, I think that was our last year that we did buy the brook in person before we went virtual. So tell me a little bit about your experience and your trip here to the very small town of Cookville, Tennessee, and your experience uh at By the Brook. It was lovely. It was a great experience. I went in um, probably like a lot of moms, um, just hungry and and just completely overwhelmed with life and looking for like a weekend of respite and pampering. Mm-hmm. And the first day was that week, uh, was that day of pampering. Um, I actually sat next to you in oh, the God. in the barber chair when oh, you were getting cool. your hair done. Oh, I was fun. getting my hair cut. That's so that was fun. pretty fun. And then um, and then a day of worship to be able to reflect mm-hmm. on um, what's going on in life and just get reconnected to God. And that was, it was good, but it hadn't been one of those mountaintop experiences. It was like a high hill, but maybe right. not the mountaintop experience. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was asking God, God, you have got to send me a sign. I think this is where I'm supposed to be. I think I'm supposed to be connected with this ministry in some way, but you've got to give me a sign. And so that night, um, right before dinner, he sent a tornado. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We did. We had a big storm that night. It was crazy. Knocked out the power and everything. It was it was pretty, you know, and it's like, that's got to be a sign. You've got to come back. Because I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to come back. It's like, well, no, you're coming back here. Let me send you some signs. That is so funny. So, and that night was so... It was wild because that storm came through and trees were knocked down. You couldn't, I mean, power lines we were, were down. Yeah. 
trying to get out of the parking lot and yes. everything, there were there were power lines that were down. Yes. And, and so we ended up, the power was out. So we ended up handing out a glow necklaces to everyone. So like you could look around the room and you just saw all these glow necklaces on people because we had no light. It was so funny. And we, and we couldn't leave. So, mm-hmm. but the next day then that's when, you know, the worship and the, the, the um, encouragement took place. And, I, and I'm glad that you were there. And then, then now you you go to the virtual by the brook when I we, do. with the virtual. And so we're glad. I, like, I get the best of both worlds. I'm, I'm probably a 50 minute drive from the nearest um, uh, session that you have at a church. Uh-huh. So on the Friday night, because I don't want to fight the traffic to get there and stuff, I worship at home. And so I got to see the silly games at home this last Go oh, around fun. And stuff, yeah. Um, via, via the internet. And then I got to be in person the next day. That and so, is great. Um, and that was, and that was, it's so much more meaningful when you get mm-hmm. to go with a group of women yeah. and stuff because that connection. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm hoping that our conversation is going to talk more about the connection that, yes. that a lot of times in the special needs life is the missing piece mm-hmm. is to feel connection with God, feel connection with other people. Totally. Know that you're surrounded by a group of people who are doing life with you. Mm-hmm. And so, and that leads into the, and this is why um, when you announced uh, the last by the brook um, that you had community groups that I joined a community group. Yes. And, um, and I really enjoyed um, my group. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you are in, you're in Sandy Ramsey Travick's group who we just love Sandy. And, and when we uh, reached out to our group leaders and I said, who do we need to have as a podcast guest? And she said you. And so we reached out and you were gracious enough to, to come on. And so part of part of your journey then now has been having that community through one of the Rising Above community groups, which I just love because you are a very busy mom. You have got not just one child with autism, but you have twins with autism. And I would love for you just to share a little bit about them. And you, what was your journey like? to finding out the diagnosis. I'm sure it was different for each one because autism, you know, presents itself so differently in every child. So what was that like? Um, It was, they're fraternal twins, so they're not identical, but they did have the same behavior that clued me into that something was wrong. Um, By starting around 14, 15 months, we had no appreciable communication. Uh, They weren't recognizing their names. There was no eye contact. And knowing what I know now, they were very classic autism. Mm. You couldn't, you know, if other people saw, if any other therapist saw them, they're like, oh, yeah, you got Mm -hmm. both of them have autism. But because they were my only kids and I didn't do a lot of babysitting growing up, I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. I thought babies cried all the time and had tantrums all the time. And I just attributed that to colic when I when really it was the autism. Mm. Um, They didn't sleep. Um, it was awful. <laughs> yes. They would sleep like one would sleep and then wake up and then the other one would go to sleep mm. and then wake up. And so I would tell my therapist that it was a good night if I could string along one or four one hour naps in an wow. evening. And it's just and exhausting. It was, it was, yeah. It's exhausting. It was exhausting and overwhelming. And so um, we got the diagnosis because I happenstanced um, upon early intervention an early intervention recommended that I go see a developmental pediatrician. When I went and saw the developmental pediatrician, I was fairly certain that my son had autism, but I wasn't sure about my daughter. And he said, well, let's 
just go ahead and say she's got autism. He was trying to soften the blow, but mm. really she was just as involved in her autism as, as he was. Um, she had words, uh, but they weren't very functional. So mm-hmm. she would run around the house all day saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, but it wouldn't attribute to, does, does one mean you're, you're hungry? Right. You know, so I had, I had to figure out all these clues to what they needed. Um, mm-hmm. you know, cause the way that they would tell me that they needed something was to bite me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was tough. And, it, and they both figured out that I would respond to biting. So mm. they both bit me and it was a bite fest until we found an occupational therapist who told me about sensory issues and helped me redirect that biting into something more appropriate. And it still took after, even after that, and even after the diagnosis, at least another um, nine to 12 months to get to a point where they would stop biting me. Um, but we still didn't have good communication mm-hmm. in place until um, for my daughter, it took her until she was probably four mm-hmm. to get the the elements of no and yes. Mm-hmm. And when we got, when we got to no and yes, I thought that that was a beautiful thing. You're, that's a win, a big win. Yeah. yeah. And then for my son, he, he started his talking and his, it, it, yeah, his speech and stuff at, at five and a half. Um, so, but you wouldn't, I'm, I'm saying that now just to be able to paint a picture. I'm going to jump ahead and say, now they both just finished um, their associate's degree mm-hmm. in general studies at a college. Amazing. So, so for those parents who are going along and saying, you know, and buying into the, because when you, when you first read about the diagnosis, when I first read about the diagnosis back in 2005, 2006 and stuff, the books and the Google. Mm, the Dr. Dr. Google, Google. Yeah. Not your friend. Um, Dr. Google is not your friend. Yeah. That there are studies that show up to 40% of people with autism have cognitive um, disabilities as well. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, I was thinking their trajectory was going to be some kind of group home, some mm-hmm. kind of day program, some kind of, and and now it's like, no, they just went to college. They're wow. kind of work bound. That so. is amazing. Well, think, go back to those early years, you're sleep mm-hmm. deprived. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, having twins just in and of itself is a lot, you know, to handle. Then you have all the behaviors, all of the things that were going on, all the biting, the lack of sleep. How did that impact you as a mom? I know they were, you know, your only children and and so that you didn't really have much to compare it to, but what did that do to your mama's heart in those first few years? It made me want to reject it. Mm, <laughs> like, do, yeah. I, do I have to parent it? Um, I look at myself uh, at who I was prior to kids. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I I really felt my identity in Christ. I mm-hmm. really felt like I was a vessel for God and that I could, and, I, and my marching orders were to just show up, you know, show up in the community for where they need a little bit of help and go and help. And God, and that's where God is. God is in that health, in that mission. But then when he sent me these two, it's like, I'm lost, God. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see you in the situation that I am. And I'm drowning and trying to figure out how to, um, how to, it, it really messed up my sense of identity because I thought I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And then I got these two completely drained <laughs> yes. everything out of me. Yeah. 
and I didn't have anything else. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say, again, I want to instill a sense of hope to parents with the younger children. Mm-hmm. You've got early intervention that helps you out um, between ages zero to three. And typically after age three, the school system starts stepping in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that those first couple of years in pre-K from three to five are the hardest years because you might have a pre-K respite. I, I don't call it preschool. I call it respite. You have pre-K <laughs> respite um, for three hours, maybe from Monday through Friday, if you're mm-hmm. lucky. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the summers and those summers can be long mm-hmm. and hard because yeah. it is you and you're responsible for your child's programming, for their growth and development. And at, and that at that point in time in the overwhelm, I just felt like, you know, if we just survived the day, if mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everybody's alive, we've <laughs> done a good job. It's a win. That is a win at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I know you're married and, you know, the stresses that can be put on a marriage and a relationship when you're, first of all, sleep deprived, and then you're dealing with all of the things that go along with the autism diagnosis. How did that impact your marriage? And and how have you all, you know, I don't know, how long have you been married at this point? Where you are We've now. been married 29 years. 29, 29. years. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. And so how have you guys, what was the, how did it impact your marriage? And then how have you all successfully made it to 29 years? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I think that the basis of our marriage has always been friendship. Um, he mm-hmm. was, he's, he was, and, and I'll, and we're getting now back to he is, but he was my best friend. For the first nine years of our marriage, we Mm -hmm. didn't have kids. We chose to live the double income, no kid life. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a lot of great experiences traveled throughout the world. It was a beautiful time and stuff. And then we decided that it was, we had accomplished everything that we needed to do. And maybe kids would be a great idea. Mm -hmm. So that was the reason why we had kids. Um, but yeah, once, once it started coming, I mean, he was, he was the primary breadwinner. I was stay at home mom during that time. And, um, so he really kind of retreated back into work. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was unfortunate because his work was, um, we ended up moving down into a community that was 61 miles away from work. Mm. So he would get up in the morning at six o'clock in the morning and go to work. And I wouldn't see him again until close to eight in the evenings. Um, And that was, it was hard because there was a lot of resentment kind of on both sides. Um, I resented him because he wasn't around to be able to help Mm. as much. And when he was around, he was exhausted because he had four hours worth of commute every day Mm -hmm. to get up to get there and back from work. And um, he was exhausted. I was exhausted. He resented me because I wasn't giving him any kind of attention because I didn't Mm -hmm. have any for for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was hard. It was, it was hard staying in like Mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah. Um, But God showed up, you know, I prayed for, for close to a decade that he would start to repair our marriage because it was just not happy and mm-hmm. we were just not close. And I was looking for that intimacy and connection from him. Mm-hmm. And I attribute that restoration back to God. Mm. So now, you know, now we're still, we're still go. Um, there's still things that we have to work through and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but we're much closer. We like each other. Mm. Um, we go mm. on date nights yes. um, willingly. But yeah, mm. that's one of the things that we did is we consistently tried to go on date nights, even if we weren't liking one another. It's like, mm. no, let's get out of the house. Let's go mm. and do something together just mm. to stay connected. Yeah. And, and and I'm sure looking at things now, even though things were so hard, aren't you glad that you found a way to to even though you may not have really liked each other in the moment, but but you chose to stick it out. Yeah. To know that uh, that that better was coming. You know, sometimes yes. better follows worse, you know, after how hard things are. Yes. And I will tell you the secret, the secret to the survival of our marriage and stuff was the pandemic. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please share. Yes. Um, we were stuck in the house with each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. for two years. And even up until now, my kids have still have kind of um, repressed immune systems. Mm-hmm. So um, we choose not to go out so much. So all four of us, you know, my husband didn't have a great relationship with my kids. He didn't really know them because he wasn't around. And all of a sudden he was around all the time. Um, I had great autonomy. Um, when he wasn't around, I had gotten mm-hmm. myself into, you know, different groups, different routines and stuff. And now I couldn't go anywhere. And so we had to deal with one another. Mm. We had to deal with how Mm -hmm. we relate to each other. We had to figure out ways that we would enjoy each other's companies. Um, We had to decide how we were going to respond to each other's idiosyncrasies. Um, He would, when he gets frustrated, he takes it out on everyone. And Mm. it's not intentional, but Mm -hmm. we've all now... I've, there's a blessing in autism because they don't see that it's an attack toward toward mm-hmm. them. They just mm-hmm. see that dad's mad, mm-hmm. but it's not because of me. Um, me, on the other hand, I've gotten through that myself. It's like, nope, it sounds like you're angry. I know you're not directing it at, I know you're directing it at me, but it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And so finding those ways to work through those hard and communicate and and all those, all the things that go along. And so the pandemic helped to bring all that closeness, close, yes, close, <laughs> right there. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. And you know, when you look back over the journey so far, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered? And then, what? How did you face those challenges? What did you do to overcome those challenges? Um, I would categorize all the different challenges in one of two categories: either setbacks or a a feeling of overwhelmness. Mm. So overwhelm would be um, like the time that I was, that I had respite. And you know what happens when you have respite. You get a whole bunch of stuff done right before respite so that you can take a break. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a time that I had respite and I I arrived at the location and the people weren't there and I was exhausted. And it's like, well, what do I do? You know, and I called and they said, no, we're here. And come to find out, I was in the right location, but in the wrong city. Oh my goodness. Um, So I got no respite. That's overwhelm. Mm -hmm. That is overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Um, A setback would be, um, an example of that is going to the Blockbuster video back when there were still Blockbuster videos. (laughs) Back in the day. Um, Back (laughs) in the day. Um, Because that was one of the things that my son would do is he was very interested in um, movies. And so we go to Blockbuster Video and let him pick out one or two things. And at the end of the checkout and stuff, he threw a tantrum on the Blockbuster Video outside on the sidewalk for 45 minutes. Oh, my goodness. And it's like we, 
and it had been a while since he had a tantrum mm-hmm. that long and that intense. And, you know, you, you just, you, you saw it. My shoulders shrink. Mm-hmm. My heart just sinks. It's like, it's a setback. Mm-hmm. Um, overcoming them. Setbacks are easy to overcome now. Cause I, I now I just think of them as a bump in the road. Mm. It's, it's, it's an oops. It's an accident. It's a, it's just a thing. You're going to experience a setback. You're going to experience. It's just like this. I tell people this all the time. Um, the life in, in special needs is a lot like the stock market. There's there's ups and there's downs, but generally things trend up. Mm. Every now and then there's a dip and you have to remember not to panic. Yes. Um, that this is just a phase, but you need to move forward. So that's how I've overcome mm-hmm. the setback portion of it. Um, the overwhelm portion, I've I've really learned and have taken to heart something that my life coach has taught me, which is um, every time I say yes to something, I have to say no to something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Um, to protect my sense of who I am and my bandwidth, I have to know when to say no, mm-hmm. and I have to be okay with saying no mm-hmm. because it releases that opportunity for something else. Yeah, and that's tough as a mom to to say no. I, I remember years ago, uh, I, I decided I was going to have the year of no, and I own I knew exactly what God was calling me to do in that season. And so anything else that came my way that didn't line up with with that, I said no to. And it was hard at first, but then it's so freeing when you can have that freedom to say, nope, that that's not what I'm going going to do today. And it actually does just bring life because you're not doing everything and things you're not, you know, supposed to be doing anyway. Um, and I know something for you that's really important is self-care. And and I know from from the notes you shared with me, we, you know, it was kind of like self-care is such a, a topic that so many parents go, how in the world am I supposed to take care of myself? How, you know, that, that all sounds great and fine, but it is important. And so how have you found ways um, to make that part of your journey, your story, over all these years um, to, to help you keep going to where you are now? Well, it goes back to the being able to say no. Sometimes you have to say no to everything in order to say yes to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been thinking about the fact that a lot of times the, I guess, the going um, analogy that that most therapists use is the one about the the um, the oxygen mask falling from the ceiling right, that you have to right. fix it to to me, it's a little bit more basic than that. You are a car and you must gas yourself up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know of any parent. Uh, I mean, that would be a parent's worst nightmare, right? You're driving around to your different therapies and stuff and you run out of gas. Yes. It's like, oh my gosh, now what do you do? How mm-hmm. do you? So you never run out of gas, right? You never mm-hmm. even think to if that, as the needle goes down and stuff, when you see that it's at a quarter tank, it's an automatic I got to go fill up with gas because I don't want to run out. Mm -hmm. And we forget that that's ourselves as well. You got to see, you got to notice when you're running on a quarter tank and you got to stop and fill up Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that's a lot of different things. Um, It was, it was difficult at the beginning because the kids were so demanding. Um, Respite and, and restoration for me was deep breathing. It's just taking the opportunity to breathe. It's and amazing. Can do that at any time. I was going to say it's so simple, and yet it is so helpful. Yes, we talked about that at By the Brook this last year as well. Just the importance of just stopping to take a deep breath. So, totally agree with that one. 
And I, and when the twins were really small, like up until the age of seven or eight, where they got out of it and stuff, I would have a thing of wedding bubbles in my purse at all times. So not only was I deep breathing, we were blowing out and making bubbles. So they had something to do. Mm. So I could sit there and practice deep breathing for 10 mm-hmm. minutes. It's a great idea. Um, while they had little bubbles. And so we had bubbles in the car. We had, I still have bubbles. And it's like, they're 20 years old. They don't need the bubbles anymore. <laughs> I love that. What other strategies? What are some, so the deep breathing, what else do you do? The deep do? breathing. Um, yeah. The next thing, we talked a little earlier about connection. It is mm-hmm. so important to find connection, to try to mm-hmm. find a group of women that you can come along, a group, maybe one or two people, that would signify a group. Don't put it just on one person because that's mm-hmm. really, that's a really hard thing to do. But to be able to share share your burdens with and be able to help share, be able to share their burdens with mm-hmm. them as well. Mm-hmm. So I really do encourage trying to find um, a group, whether or not it's within a church. And it's interesting because um, I'm in a church group right now. Um, the church that I attend is virtual. Mm-hmm. I don't, I watch them on TV every Sunday mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm in one of their virtual groups, but I never seem to make it to it. Um, I'm in Rising Above Ministries. Um, and that helps give me the perspective of the special needs life. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also in another group called the Business Women of Fayette and Coweta Counties. And it's just a group of, of business women at, mm-hmm. who are doing everyday life. And that helps keep me on the beat of like kind of normalcy, mm-hmm. you know, because you can, you can, you can go the special needs life, but a lot of times you want to just kind of see, yes, hey, there's hey. another side. Yeah. 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 Plus having friends who don't have mm-hmm. kids who yes. are, have disabilities and stuff mm-hmm. is so important because yes. you can ask them to do things like, hey, can you go take my car to go get an oil change? Mm-hmm. And they're there to be able to say, yeah, no problem. I'd yeah. be more than happy to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so important to have uh, friends in both camps uh, to, to to just be part of the journey. And, and they need to be part of our story as well, you know, and so that's, that is good, good, wise counsel and being part of, you know, like, it's like you were talking about, there are groups virtually, you know, it's so easy to say, but I can't be a part of a group because there's nothing in my area. Well, we have groups. So come, you know, go to the Rising Above website and check out the groups and see if there might be a group um, that fits for you. But I know you shared just a little bit. You said the, the twins are now 20. And mm-hmm. you shared a little bit about their life now and that they've graduated and and things you probably all those years ago thought never, ever, ever would happen. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about their day-to-day life now and what are your hopes and dreams for them for their future? Okay. Um, right now, we have graduated to the couch. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. And I know that the next step in their lives is to seek some kind of part-time to full-time employment. Um, that's where that's their trajectory, is what are we going to do on a daily basis? But for right now, we're in kind of rest mode. So they spend most of their mm-hmm. time, um, my daughter spends most of her time um, with a group of friends that she found herself on Discord. Wow which is amazing. And mm-hmm. they, they look after each other. There's a couple other kids in the group and stuff who have, um, who she suspects have autism and stuff, but there's one l- little girl, um, Mariella and stuff, who's kind of the leader over them all. And she 
protects them like little mother hens. Mm. And so it's it's so interesting because they've discovered doing watch parties together and coordinating these little watch parties has been very dramatic and great for um, Daphne's self-growth and stuff because mm-hmm. now she's having to, um, where she's she struggled in social communication and understanding social affect and friendship rules and things like that. She's now having to reach out to people and it's like, is this a good time to do a, a watch party who's available? Mm. Oh, this person's not available. So should we wait? Should we go ahead? And how does that affect their feelings? So it's it's been really great for her to develop friendships and kind of navigate the world of friendships. Um, for my son, he, he's a sports guy. So he spends most of his time doing research about his sports teams on the internet and stuff. And he's got it down to a science. He'll watch like on game day and stuff. He won't watch the actual games. He'll watch the ticker on Sports Center. Uh... And when he sees that it's fourth quarter um, or the fourth period or whatever sport he's watching and the game is close, that's when he says, Mom, can I go watch this game? So he's only watching like the best of the, the best part. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't blame him. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Will, as a as a family, um, we've kind of taken to um watching a specific television show. Um, and it's a it's a webcast that you can show. It's it's called Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. And what they do is they t- they watch movies and then there's talking over the movies. Mm-hmm. There's like a group of people yeah. who who sit and just talk at the movies. And it's and it's developing the sense in both of them that when I go to the movies, I should talk over the movies. Mm. So I'm I'm knowing it's a good family exercise and stuff mm-hmm. for us, but I know I can never take him to a movie theater because <laughs> it's like yes, can't do that. In we're the, gonna in be the real- commentary. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. be like moving commentary all the time. So funny. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I wanted to say is what, what do I see for their future and what's become really evident to, to me. And this is partially because of the rising above ministries um, group that I'm in and stuff is that God has them in his hands mm. and, and everything that I could dream for them, he's got a plan and a purpose for them for mm-hmm. his goodwill. Um, and those dreams that I have for them are pale in comparison based on what, how our, my life has blossomed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it pales in comparison to what God has for them. So when you ask me, what is my dream for them at age, when they're age 40 or 50 and stuff, it's like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I know that God has got them in, in his hands mm. and he's got the most wonderful amazing things planned for them. Mm. And I'm really grateful and excited for that. Mm. So, so great. Well, I know you have a business, I think it's a business or an organization called Organize Autism. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, That was me. And and I'm going to be truthful about that. That was me stepping out in my own power to try to find my way of what's next for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've been convicted of is that that's it was an entity ma- based out of pride. Mm. So I've kind of put it on the shelf for gotcha. now. Um, it's it's still there. Um, I might still do something with it. It might turn out to be a business that supports um, uh, students who have transitioned out and their job careers and stuff. Um, it, it might be... It might end up being a podcast for Daphne. I have no idea. But for right now, what it is, is a blog. 
and an email newsletter. Um, if you've been inspired by anything that I want that I've said and want to keep in touch with me, um, I've got an email newsletter sign up at organizeautism.com. Um, or if you want to reach out to me, I'd be willing to be able to do like a 15 to 20 minute consult to talk about what's going on in your life and try to help you figure out that next step mm. in your life for your family as you are coming back into your power and who and what your kids need. Well, and we'll be sure to add that in the show notes so people can find your website. Super easy. So, you know, Raysa, we've heard a, a little bit about your story. I know there's so much more, but when you look at your life and all the things that you have faced um, in these past 20 years, what has helped you to be able to rise above the challenges and the things that you have faced? Um, that's an easy answer. That it, it has to be God and Jesus. And the fact that I have access to grace and mercy, that if there wasn't grace and mercy and I didn't understand um, that grace and mercy and my identity in Christ, mm -hmm. I, I now feel like um, I'm not acting in my own power anymore. I'm stepping out in faith for, for God and I'm doing the things that I'm doing for his good purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I rise above. I mean, that's how you rise above mm -hmm. because his plans are not your plans. My plans, as much as I've planned, and I've done quite a bit. Um, we didn't even talk about the nonprofit that I started, Southside Support, that has over 3,000 members Oh, my on goodness. Facebook. Well, you can share about that here. Yeah, go ahead and share about that. Uh, you know, um, we it's a, it's a group uh, based out of South of Atlanta, and it helps uh, families find resources and a place, a safe place to vent on Facebook. Um, you can find them on Facebook at Southside Support for Special Needs Families. Um, the name of the organization is Southside Support, and they've got a couple other programs. I gave rise to that baby um, because I saw a need for me to be mm -hmm. able to create a sense of community. And so I've helped develop that community mm -hmm. to be able to help me and serve me. Um, but in, in it, it served so many other people mm. and we've changed so many lives. So great. Pretty amazing. That's wonderful. Well, Raisa, thank you so much for sharing part of your journey with us today. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know more about you and um, hopefully we'll see you um, at a Rising Above event in person sometime in the future. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story. <laughs>